We're going to read chapter 41 today, but let's start in Genesis chapter 40, reading from verse 21. He restored the chief cupbearer to his office, and he put the cup into Pharaoh's hand. But he hanged the chief baker just as Joseph had interpreted to them. Yet the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. So remember the deal. He said that when you get delivered from this prison, remember me to Pharaoh. Well, it turns out that he didn't remember him. He forgot him, it says in verse 23. It wasn't that he intentionally said, I'm not going to mention his name to Pharaoh. No, he forgot him, just forgot about him. And, and uh, uh, it says that, that just as Joseph had interpreted, just as he had told them what happened, it happened, which substantiated his ability at being prophetic and being able to interpret dreams. Now let's start reading from chapter 41, verse 1 of the book of Genesis. Now it happened at the end of two full years that Pharaoh had a dream, and behold, he was standing by the Nile. And lo, from the Nile there came up seven cows, sleek and fat, and they grazed in the marsh grass. Then behold, seven other cows came up from the Nile, ugly and gaunt, and they stood by the other cows on the bank of the Nile. The ugly and gaunt cows ate up the seven sleek and fat cows. Then Pharaoh awoke. He fell asleep and he dreamed a second time. And behold, seven ears of grain came up on a single stalk, plump and good. Then behold, seven ears, thin and scorched by the east wind, sprouted up after them. Then uh, the, the thin ears swallowed up the seven, plump, uh, the seven plump and full ears. Then Pharaoh awoke and behold, it was a dream. Now in the morning his spirit was troubled, so he sent and he called the magicians of Egypt and all its wise men. And Pharaoh told them his dream, but there was no one who could interpret, interpret them to Pharaoh. Okay, so Pharaoh has a dream. So remember, why, why, does, why does God give dreams like that? Well, remember, we, we are told why God gives dreams like that in Job chapter 33, verse 15. Job 33, verse 15. And this is Elihu speaking, and it's not that what Eli, everything that Elihu said was wrong. It was just misapplied to Job. He says, In a dream, a vision of the night, when sound sleep falls on men, while they slumber in their beds, then he opens the ears of men and seals their instruction, that he may turn man aside from his conduct and keep man from pride. So God speaks to men in dreams. He doesn't do it to, much, to us much in the West because we don't put much stock in dreams. In fact, we a lot of times speak of dreams as being a bunch of nonsense because many of them certainly seem like nonsense. So God doesn't use that mechanism to speak to us in the West, but you go to other countries and people take it very seriously. So it says in verse 41, in chapter, one, chapter 41, verse 1, he, it, now it happened at the end of two full years. So this is now two years after the chief cupbearer forgot him. So Joseph now is, is 28 in prison when the chief cupbearer forgets him. Now Joseph is 30, and we know that because, because it says in chapter 41, verse 46, now Joseph was 30 years old when he stood before Pharaoh. So if it had been two full years, he was 28 in prison at the time. And now it's two full years. Why full years? Why is that important? Because the Bible often considers a part of a year a year. 
a part of a day, a full day. And you see that in, in, uh, in, in the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus was, was crucified on a Friday, and, and, uh, uh, and then on, he spent, so he was crucified on a Friday, buried, put in, in, in the grave all day Saturday, just touched Sunday morning, and that is considered three days biblically. And even the Bible, even when it says three days and three nights, that is idiomatic for three days. We have the same sort of thing. So, so my, my birthday is going to be the end of this month, but I still, I don't say that I'm going to be the age that I'm going to be when, 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 I, when I hit my next birthday. I say the age that I am now. We do the same thing with our taxes. My, my daughter was born on January 31st. I got the entire year's break for her in taxes. So, so, so by the Bible saying two full years, now it's, it's two full years. It's not just one year and a day. It's two full years. And that Pharaoh had a dream, and behold, he was standing by the Nile. So the Nile was their absolute sustenance. Everything they had came from the Nile. There was no rain in Egypt. There was no rain. So the Nile would flood, and it would overflow its banks. And for centuries, people did not know how the Nile would flood, because they'd never see any rain. But remember, this is 4,100 miles long. So it's flooding up in the mountains 4,000 miles away. And now it is eventually gets downstream so that about this time of year, it's overflowing its banks. Its banks. And when it would overflow, it would water all the land. It would irrigate the land. If there was no rain further down, then the Nile would not overflow. They didn't have their own self-irrigation and they would starve. Every bit of sustenance came from the Nile. So when he says he's standing by the Nile and he's seeing this thing happen, all their sustenance is coming from the Nile. And he sees these, these uh, cows come up from the Nile and they were sleek and they were fat. And then seven other cows come up from the Nile and they eat the... the and, and he even says later on in the chapter, in, in, uh, um, in verse 19 of that chapter, he, it says that he had never seen such ugly cows as those second seven that came up. They ended up eating the, the, the healthy, sleek, and fat cows. And even after they ate them, it was unrecognizable that they ate them because it says in verse 21 of chapter 41... It says that uh, when they had devoured them, it could not be detected that they had devoured them, for they were just as ugly as before. So the ugliest cows Pharaoh had ever seen eat up the seven good cows, and they're just as skinny and ugly as they had been before. And, and then he, it says in verse 4, then he awoke. And that's how you remember dreams. You remember the dreams mainly because you wake up right after a dream and then you remember it. Most dreams, you don't, you, you, if you don't wake up right after it, you don't remember it. He awoke right after it, so it was clear in his mind. Then he goes back to sleep and he sees one, one stalk. He sees upon a single stalk in verse 5, seven plump uh, 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 grains came out. So ears of grain. So there's seven ears of grain on this one stalk. Then he says... There, behold, uh, 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 that, that another stock came, stock came up, and it was, and, and that there, it, well, it says that there were seven other ears, thin and scorched. We don't know if it's on the same stock or on a different stock. He doesn't tell us, but it says that these 
these thin ones swallowed up the good healthy ones and then he awoke. So he remembers very clearly these two dreams because he woke up right after them. So he wakes up from his dream and then it says, really interesting thing, now in the morning his spirit was troubled. So here you have Pharaoh who's considered like a god, considered a god in Egypt, and his spirit is troubled. This is showing what, what uh, uh, Francis Schaeffer calls mannishness, the, the humanity of people. That no matter how high we get, no matter what level we attain to, no matter how all the, the, the masses here, where Pharaoh owns everything, is going to own everything, but just, just like a god in Egypt, he is so troubled that he's troubled in his spirit. And that is exactly what happens to people. I'll tell you, you can, I, I, I can speak from my own life. I mean, one day I can be happy, go lucky, and, and then just a few hours later I can be like, just feeling so down. Just feeling down. And Why is this? Why is this happening? And this is what, what Francis Schaeffer calls the mannishness, that we, that we recognize who we are. You know, if you, if you talk to some people, most people realize the, the, this disturbance in their hearts where we realize that we're guilty of something. And, and, uh, and that's the beautiful thing of coming to Christ. But there is this, this, this thing that can weigh upon us at times. And you wonder, why is this? Why is this happening? You know, and this is, this is, uh, this is something that, that, that is, is, is interesting to human beings. And I remember I was, I had a good friend of mine. His name was Buck Hatch. He, he was a professor at what's now Columbia International University. At the time was Columbia Bible College and Seminary. And he used to teach family counseling. And I remember sitting with him one day and telling him, you, you know, why is this? Why is it this that I can just, my, I, I can get, go through a season of just low self-esteem, thinking I'm no good, you know, nothing's going to, you know, nothing. And I was just starting out my career as an assistant professor. And, you know, people thought, wow, this is amazing. You know, you know, you're 28 years old and you're already a professor and you got all this going for you. And, and here I am struggling within. And I remember talking to him and he sat there and he was probably around 80 years old at the time. And he said, Jim, I wish that I had a magic wand and I could just wave this magic wand over you and all that feeling would go away. He says, but I don't think it's ever going to go away. I think you're always going to have these seasons. But what you're going to see, that in spite of those seasons, in spite of that low self-esteem, God's going to do amazing things through you. And so since that time, I've looked at this very differently. Not saying, oh God, deliver me, deliver me, deliver me. But understanding, I will be delivered from this. I will overcome this. And that's, in fact, very scriptural. So if you, if you look, for example, in, uh, in, in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul speaks about something is happening in his own life. We don't know exactly what it is. Some people think that he had an eye disorder because he had talked about writing in large print and he had talked about some people loved him so much they would have plucked out their eyes and given it to him. We don't know what his, his thorn in the flesh was. But here's what he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. Because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, 
For this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from exalting myself. Wow, that's really interesting. Paul, because he had these great revelations from Jesus, because of that, to keep him from exalting himself, to, from thinking that he's too great, God sent him a thorn in the flesh to keep him from exalting himself, and he even characterizes it as a messenger of Satan to torment me. Then he goes on to say, Concerning this, I implored the Lord three times that it might leave me. So here's Paul is sincerely praying, imploring the Lord, please deliver me from this. Verse 9 of 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. God's reply to him was not to deliver him, but to say, My grace is sufficient for you. It is sufficient. My power is perfected in your weakness. This is going to keep you from exalting yourself. Because every time you have this feeling like, wow, this low self-esteem has hit me again. I'm no good. I've got this same feeling. You're going to remember, you're, going to, you're totally dependent upon me. Totally dependent upon me. So he left Paul with that thorn in the flesh. Was Paul upset about that? Well, here's what Paul says. He says in, in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, he says, uh, 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 this is, this is uh, verse 9, Most gladly, most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am well content with weakness, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties, for Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then I am strong. This was Paul's way of dealing with what Francis Schaeffer calls mannishness, the humanity that comes upon us that lets us know we are not God, we are not quite what we think we are. He says, because of this weakness, God says to him, my power, God's power is perfected in your weakness. So Paul's reply to this is most gladly, I am not just glad about this, I am extra glad, most glad, that I will rather boast about my weakness. So here I tell you this very day, I tell you this very day, the, the struggles that I have in my own life. I tell you this, because I will boast in this. Now, I don't go through, I don't have clinical depression. Some people do. That's your thorn in the flesh. You can work with counselors in that and get prayer for that. But everybody has cycles that they go through. He says, most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. I tell you my weakness so that you can see. You look at my life and see, has God used me, Jim Tour, my life for his glory in anything there are times that I've had in my life, like when I was talking to Buck Hatch, where I was thinking, I don't think I'll ever do anything effective for the Lord, which was like a crazy thought because 
from the time I was 18, for the last 10 years, from the time I was 18 to the age of 28, I was serving the Lord. I was sharing the Lord with people. I was teaching Bible studies in every chemistry department that I had ever worked in. I had taught Bible studies in that building. And I was doing all of this. Yet in spite of all of this, I was going through these thoughts that, wow, I'm never going to accomplish anything. I remember winning this big award from, from uh, the Office of Naval Research, the Office of Naval Research Young Investigator Award, and I met with Buck, pa- Buck Hatch, and I was telling him about that award. And he says, so what do you think of that? I said, I think that if they knew how little I know about chemistry, they never would have given me the award. I mean, so, you, you know, I just, I just thought... It, there was, People just don't know how little I know. And, and uh, he says, I would most rather, I'd rather boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am well content. He doesn't just say, I am content, which is kind of average. He says, I am well content. Totally content. I am totally content in this. I am well content with weakness, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. You see, when you have that perspective, you cannot lose. I mean, you cannot lose when you have that perspective. When I am weak, when I am going through these distresses, then I'm the strongest. I'm the strongest when I'm going through these distre- distresses. When I, when, when I go through this, I just, just have this, this strength, this absolute strength that I'm going through, and here is Pharaoh. You think that, well, you know, if I had a bigger house, if I had a better car, if I had a better job, if I just... How about being Pharaoh of Egypt? Is that high enough for you? Pharaoh is sitting there kind of dejected. He doesn't know what to do. And we see that. We see that all the time in movie stars, that movie stars will get married, and a month later they're divorced, and we're not surprised, because nothing works out for them. They have all of this stuff, and they, they have... They have so many counselors they got to go to in life. So you, you amass all of these things. It doesn't solve it. Don't you see? It doesn't solve it. These external things in life are not going to solve this for you. And it's like Buck Hatch said to me, I wish I could wave this magic wand and you'll never be bothered by this again. But that's not what happens. He's going to show you that in spite of that, in spite of that, I'm going to use you. I'm going to use you powerfully in spite of that. And that's, I think, the secret behind Joseph. Joseph was forgotten in prison. The deal was, when these things happen, remember me. That was the deal. And he was forgotten. He was forgotten. Many times things happen in life. It wasn't yet Joseph's time when he was 28. It was time when he was 30. For th- that means that, remember, he was kidnapped at the age of 17. He served as a slave and then as a prisoner. He served in the prison for 13 years. For 13 years. I don't know what you've been through in life, but I doubt you've been a slave and a prisoner unjustly for 13 years. And, and uh, here's, here's just, just being able to hold on to this. Hold on to this and take hold of this. That, that God says in quietness and in, in confidence, in, in quietness and confidence will be your strength. In, in Isaiah chapter 30, verse 15, it says, For thus saith the Lord, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest shall you be saved. In quietness and confidence shall be your strength. God says in quietness and in confidence will be your strength. 
there is a state that we have in Jesus Christ that far supersedes any of this that the world has. So even being a pharaoh in Egypt didn't solve it. Then he says in verse 8, Now in the morning his spirit was troubled. This is Genesis chapter 41, verse 8. His spirit was troubled. So he sent and he called for all the magicians of Egypt and all its wise men. And Pharaoh told them his dreams, but there was none who could interpret them to Pharaoh. Now, who were these magicians and who were these wise men? They were really amazing guys. So, for example, in the book of Exodus chapter 7, so hundreds of years later, Moses and Aaron appear before another Pharaoh, and that Pharaoh is able to call his wise men and his magicians, and they can do amazing things. So one of the things that they did is they were able to take their staffs, wooden staff, and throw it on the ground, and it would turn into a snake, turn into a serpent. Now, Aaron's serpent that had come from his staff ate those up, but nonetheless, these men had amazing power. They could have, have, a, have, a, have a, a stick turn into a serpent. So they clearly had amazing spiritual powers. Those spiritual powers may well have been demonic, but they were amazing spiritual powers. And if you say, well, you're a scientist, how can you believe in Satan? Because I believe the Bible, all right? Because I believe the Bible. If you don't believe those, that's fine. Just go to every, bi- every page in your Bible that talks about spiritual things and rip the page out. And tell me how much of your Bible you're going to have left, all right? So, and then, and then the other thing that they could do is they could strike the Nile with their staff and the Nile would turn into blood. So it would just get filled up with blood and it would start to stink. That's how powerful these men were. But they could not interpret a dream. And this is not even that complex of a dream. It's not like uh, Nebuchadnezzar who said, don't, you, not, you not only have to tell me what the dream means, you have to tell me the dream. He wouldn't even tell them the dream. But here he told them the dream and they couldn't interpret it. What's going on here? These men have so much power. All, it wasn't just his own personal magician. It says he called all the magicians in Egypt, all the wise men in Egypt, all of them appeared before a pharaoh. None of them could interpret this. None of them. You know, it's interesting. The, the Bible talks about this type of thing. It says, it says in the book of Ecclesiastes, in the Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 26, it says this. Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 26. For to a person who is good in his sight, he has given him wisdom and knowledge and joy. While to the sinner, he has given the task of gathering and collecting so that he may give to the one who is good in God's sight. Isn't that interesting? When God looks with favor upon you, it says He gives them wisdom and knowledge and joy. If He looks with favor upon you, He gives wisdom and knowledge and joy. While to the sinner, He's given him the task of gathering and collecting. Why? So that He may give to the one that's good in God's sight. God shows favoritism. You think God shows favoritism? Absolutely. Absolutely. And if you seek God, it says the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the entire earth to strongly support those whose heart is completely His. He absolutely shows favoritism to those who seek Him. 
absolutely does that. I want you to look at Psalm, Psalm chapter 75, Psalm chapter 75, verse 6 and 7. For not from the east, nor from the west, nor from the desert comes exaltation, but God is the judge. He puts down one and exalts another. You know, you may think your promotion, you know, you, you, you got held back in getting a promotion. Well, suck it up. Because your promotions are going to come from God. And if God wanted you to have that promotion, He would have made you have it. One day, a big award was given to, to somebody for, 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 for some advance in science. And I had worked in that area for many years. And many people wrote to me, we can't believe that you didn't win it. You just, you just established that whole area. And one believing friend wrote to me and he says, he says, this was just totally loaded. I mean, it's just stacked against you for some reason. You definitely should have won this. And I looked at him and I was like, if God wanted me to have that, do you think that that award committee could have kept it from me? If God wanted me to have it, here it says, not from the east, not from the west, nor from the desert comes exaltation. But God is the judge. He puts down one and he exalts another. He put down the wise men. He just said, boom, your, your brains are not going to work. Your magic's not going to work here. These guys were clueless. You thought it, you'd think they could make up something. They were absolutely clueless. He totally, totally blocked them. God's going to take Joseph now and he says, now is your time. Two years ago wasn't your time. Two years ago was not your time. Two years ago wasn't the time. Now's the time. Now's the time for you. In, in, you know, there's, a, there's an interesting verse in John chapter 8, verse 26. He who sent me, John 8, 26, he who sent me is trustworthy. And I reflect on that all the time. I trust him. I trust God. He who sent me is trustworthy. He will take care of my career. He will take care of the awards that I need to win. He will take care of my promotions. He'll take care of it. I never worried about it. I never worried about it. And God took care of it. I remember seeing all these young people struggling to get tenure. And I never even thought about it. And then I got tenure after three years. And I didn't even ask for it. Somebody, The, the department told me to put in my package. And I was given it after three years. I mean, it's crazy. Why? Because promotion doesn't come from the east, doesn't come from the west, doesn't come from the desert. God is the judge. God is the judge. He is the one who puts down one and exalts another. God is the judge. And I trust Him. I trust Him. And when things come against me, I'll tell you, I am well content with distresses. It's not like I look for it. It's not like I'm happy about it. But I'm content. God is going to take care of me. God will take care of me. What we have in Jesus Christ is so magnificent. What Jesus has done for us. Jesus paves the whole way. He learned obedience through the things He suffered. Because we have flesh, He took on flesh because we have flesh. He did everything for our sake. God is so good in everything. He is absolutely so good in everything. Jesus Jesus makes the way. Pharaoh, 
Pharaoh just was, was distra- distressed. His, 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 his entire staff was blocked from this thing because now was Joseph's time. Now was his time. Learn in quietness and in confidence can be your strength. He who sent me is trustworthy. That's from, from John chapter 8, verse 26 in the NIV version. It says, he who sent me is trustworthy. He's trustworthy. I trust him. It is God who puts down one and exalts another. He is the one that has the unbelieving sinner working so hard so that you end up getting it because God shows favoritism. Jesus says to, to him who knocks, the door's going to be open. Well, I, I didn't feel like knocking. Okay, well, the door's not going to be open. To him who knocks, the door's going to be open. I'm going to favor the person who knocks. To him who seeks, is, is going to find. You mean God would favor the seeker? Absolutely. He favors the seeker over the person who doesn't seek. He shows favor to those who seek him. The eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the entire earth to strongly support those whose heart is completely his. And when you're in a time where you're locked up in a prison, where you're downcast, just remember, you can be well content in weakness because his strength is going to prove powerful through you. You're still going to get up. You're still going to teach your class. You're still going to write your proposal and you're still going to go on. And through your weakness, you're going to be strong. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for your word. You are gracious in every way. Lord, I thank you that the things of this earth cannot satisfy. Pharaoh had everything. He was a God to these people. And still he was distressed and didn't know what to do and had to call an army of counselors to try to help him. Lord, I thank you that our sustenance comes from you. You are the one who puts down one and exalts another. Thank you, Lord, that promotion doesn't come from the east or the west or from the desert, but God is the judge. He puts down one and he exalts another. Father, I pray for the believers that are here, all of these young people that are about to start in these new adventures in their careers. Lord, I pray that they would learn to be well content and as they go these season, through these seasons of depression or melancholy, that they would realize that it is in this weakness that the strength of God will be proven. That in their weakness, the strength of God will be proven. And Father, I pray that they would learn to seek you and to seek your face because your eye is toward those who seek you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And I pray, Lord, for those here on this call that do not know you. Lord, I pray that you would draw them to Jesus that you would save a soul today. Save a soul. Open up their hearts, I pray. In the name of Jesus. Amen.